Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 20 of the Queen City Control Room podcast. We are your hosts, Josh and Nick. As always, it's Thursday. Nope, today's Friday. (laughs) It's Friday Friday tonight. (laughs) We are wrapping up conference championship week in college basketball. We have like 15 games left of NBA right now. We're coming down to a very crucial time in the basketball calendar. Yeah, I'd say. Um, It's been really exciting to watch, obviously, the NBA um, as teams are kind of maneuvering themselves for playoff positions and especially for some teams dealing with the injury bug or other player absences for different reasons. Um, Probably the most hard hit at this point would be the Grizzlies, right, with Ja being out for the indefinite future and Steven Adams, I think, being out for the next at least two to four weeks. Mm-hmm. which w- which would lead into the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting to see if if the Grizzlies fall significantly in the standings and how that changes up the playoff picture. But then also for college, like you mentioned, it's conference tournament week right now. Most of the power conferences are in their quarterfinals or semifinal games today. Some of the, you know, mid-major schools have already or mid-major conferences have already completed their tournaments or have held their championships or whatnot today. So it's been a really exciting time currently watching my alma mater, Penn state play Northwestern 14 minutes left in the second half Penn state up five as the 10 seed on the two seed right now. So looking for a big underdog upset there, fingers crossed, obviously your Buckeyes without Bryce sense about today um, upset Michigan state as a 13 seed over the four seed. Mm-hmm. So we should tell the tell the listeners here what we're hoping for is a Penn State Ohio State uh, Big Ten championship game. If Ohio State can get past Purdue, and if Penn State can get past uh, Northwestern, and then the winner of the Indiana game tonight, and then it's basically a rematch from college football season when Ohio State unfortunately <laughs> beat Penn State. Unfortunately, the basketball team does not have CJ Stroud on it, so it's going to be a little <laughs> bit tougher. But that would be quite the matchup. So on the fans want to see. Got to give the people what they want. No, it's been a really exciting last few weeks, and it's about to become the best few weeks of the season in college basketball. Obviously, we have Selection Sunday, which will have happened the day before this episode releases. Like Josh said, we're recording on Friday, March 10th. This episode will come out on Monday the 13th. So Selection Sunday will have already happened. We'll be filling out our brackets. A very, very exciting time. Oh yeah, we'll talk we'll talk brackets next week for sure. Get into Definitely. a little bit more of it when we see the paper in our hands, but a lot to unfold before then too. Before we get too deep into it, I wanted to bring a stat to the forefront of your attention. I sent this stat to you maybe 5 months ago, 4 months ago. Oh fall. god. It's actually not basketball related. Okay. Surprisingly enough, it says of podcasts don't make it past episode three and 1.8 million stop at that point. And then of the 200,000 left, 90% of those don't make it past 20 episodes. So if you publish 20 episodes, you're in the top 1% of quantity wise, all podcasts in the world. Okay. So basically what you're saying is we are the 1%. Exactly. (laughs) We are at the top of the food chain. (laughs) Oh, that makes me happy to hear. It's crazy looking back. I kind of remember when you sent that stat, but just looking back to the beginning of the podcast, thinking like, 
how do we want to structure it? What do we want to talk about? You know, does, do you want it to be rigid? What format do you want it to take? Mm-hmm. And I think for those that have been with us since episode one, um, you've kind of been able to tell, you know, the different tweaks and changes that we've made, but ultimately we have gotten to episode 20 with no plans on stopping anytime soon. And uh, it's been a really fun time. So I'm, I'm glad we're here. Oh yeah. Good times. Lots of changes, but we're, we're hitting a stride. Definitely. Anyway, I think let's start in the Western conference today. I think we went through the Eastern conference first last week and talked about the playoff picture and how teams were kind of angling. And obviously a lot has changed in the last seven days, but I think let's start by talking about perhaps one of the most surprising teams of the year coming in, you know, based on expectations and where they are now, a team currently sitting at 13 wins over 500 and second place in the Western conference ahead of the Memphis Grizzlies, your boys, the Sacramento Kings. Yep. Everyone Uh, give a loud round of applause for the Kings, the beam team. They're just putting (laughs) up a legendary performance. Every team that gets in their way, they just run them over and they're ready for the playoffs. Sacramento is a basketball town. And as a member of Sacramento through just, just through faith, I guess we're ready for it. I think it's been really exciting We've talked a lot about the Kings on the podcast, I think probably more than most other podcasts would warrant, but, um, you know, they've, they've played well the entire season. This isn't a team that like started out very poorly and then kind of brought it on very fast. Right. They've pretty much been one of the better teams in the Western conference all year, I think. And so it's not necessarily surprising when you think about it in that aspect, but just thinking about like the historical legacy over the last 15 years for the Kings, and even, you know, their their expectations coming into the season, like I said, with um, the over-under on their, their win total, you know, at the different sports books and everything, and they've already well surpassed that. Um, it's just really exciting to see a team like Sacramento not only be ready to make the playoffs, but, like, be ready to make a serious push at making a deep run in the playoffs. This is not like a team that has faced a 10 year playoff drought and all of a sudden they're like hanging around the eight seed and maybe they get into the playoffs, but they're going to flame out immediately. Right. Like this is a team that really could make a pretty deep run in a Western conference. that's kind of in shambles right now. I think it is, it's still an incredibly deep conference, but in my opinion, there's no real guarantee that like Denver's making it to the finals or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think at literally any of the top, eight or nine teams could come out of the Western conference. Obviously the odds get a little bit lower the further down you go on the list, but like there's not as clear of a cutoff for me. Like there is in the Eastern conference with the top four or five. Yeah. I don't know when the episode we talked about the Kings the first time, maybe, maybe middle of November or something. I think I was around Thanksgiving because we recorded a weird day of the week or something, something funny going on. But when I, put a future on the Kings to make the playoffs and the Kings win total, their projected win total was 41 and a half mm-hmm. and they're at 39 and 26. I mean, they just have to win three out of the next 16, 17 games or whatever it is. Pretty much you just have to win a couple and we'll, we'll hit that. And the Kings mm-hmm. had like the seventh or eighth highest odds to make the playoffs at that point, And I've, they've just 
They haven't stopped rolling. I think so. There's 16 games left for the Kings. Um, they're at 39 wins right now, like you said. What do you think the chances are they get to 50 wins this season? Because in in my mind, and I think in a lot of um, basketball fans' minds, 50 wins is like a really solid benchmark for like a fantastic season. Um, obviously, you don't need 50 to make the playoffs. You barely even need 30 to make the playoffs at this point, at least to mm-hmm. make the play in anyways. But like 50 wins is like really a good, good benchmark to strive for. Denver's at 46. Milwaukee's at 48, Boston is 46, Philadelphia is 43, Cleveland 42, New York 39. You know, all teams that are going to be within striking distance with 15, 16 games left. But what do you think the chances are the Kings win 11 of their next 16 games? They have some tough ones. They play Phoenix twice. They play Milwaukee, Boston, and then a lot of teams that are kind of in the middle. I'd be kind of surprised if they didn't get to... 50 wins at this point because that would only they would only have to win like 66 percent every two out of three right and they've been playing better than that and finishing a lot of close games i think they'll take care of business against the worst teams they play and then they only have to go like 500 against the top tier teams at least and right i think they'll be at 51 or 52 wins at that point and i think taking that a step further. I agree with you. I think they get to 50 wins, not necessarily no problem, but shouldn't be extremely difficult for them. Now, if you are the Kings though, um, at what point in this, in these last 15, 16 games, are you also thinking about playoff opponents um, and who you are potentially facing in, you know, a four or seven game series, right? I think the chances that the Kings catch Denver are extremely slim to none. So I think the Kings are locked into a two, three, maybe a four seed at the very worst, if something tragic happens to them. Um, But I think it, the very, I think more than likely they're in the two or three spot, depending on how Phoenix does. Um, So at what point in this last run, are you thinking like, not necessarily that they're going to throw games, right. But like, what is more strategic for us and who we want to face in a seven game series at home. I think you saw a little bit of that last season with like the Bucks, the um, Celtics and the heat and who was going to end up playing the nets in the first round, which obviously that ended up being the Celtics. But, you know, if you're the Kings, you're looking at a current six seed or let's start with the five seed. I guess you're looking at a five seed of the Clippers, the Warriors, the Timberwolves, the Mavericks, the Lakers, the Pelicans, and obviously the bottom four are going to go into the play-in tournament, so it's not guaranteed either way. Mm-hmm. But how much credence do you give that? How, how much weight do you give that in your mind? Or do you just say, whoever it is, bring it on? Well, if you ask them, I'd say they would probably think just whoever it is, bring it on. But in right. reality, if they're the two seed, it's like it's pretty tough to imagine who they, they would play in the first round just because how the play-in is set up. It's like whoever wins the seven, eight game is locked in at the seven. And it's like anyone could come in and have a good night that night. Like Mm. Luca and Kyrie or Ant and the Timberwolves right now, like either of them could play better that night and you could end up with them or the other team could win. And like, there's just a lot that could happen in the play in, I guess. But if you're looking at the five and six, those are obviously more locked in. So if you fall the three, you would, 
know who you're going to play right away. Right. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. Like right now, I probably, I wouldn't really mind playing the Warriors if I was them. It's not as good as the other teams, but the Warriors haven't looked that good, even with Steph back. I wouldn't say they're overly concerned about avoiding them. Right. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And obviously having the play-in tournament uh, makes it a little bit harder to, you know, quote unquote, plan these types of things out. Um, But it is still, I think it's still very interesting just to think about who you may end up playing or at least trying to figure that out in advance. Obviously the reference to last year was a little bit different because the Nets were only down so low in the standings because they were without KD and Kyrie for so much of the season. And then once they had those two back and were making a significant run, they were able to get themselves up to the seven seed. So it was hard to imagine anybody but the Nets winning that seven, eight playing game. Like I think mm-hmm. it was a little bit easier for the two seed last year in the East to figure that that was going to happen. But this year, who knows? It's kind of a crapshoot. I mean, you could even see, like, I don't know. I think it's unlikely, but you could still even see the Lakers get get up as high as the seven seed or I, I don't think things are going to shake out where the Lakers get out of the playing tournament but they could make the seven seed and, and it could be a, a Lakers and Mavs or a Lakers and Timberwolves seven eight game and then who really knows right I think it's going to be really interesting just to see how this all shakes out as we get a little bit closer to the end of the season and then like, I, like it, it, it's impossible like to me I would be trying to put as much I don't I don't know what analysts would be looking at i'm not that smart but i would be hiring like analysts try to figure out like prime playoff opponents just so like we know who to prepare for and stuff because or not because but the hurdle to that is then the 7 to 13 seed is only spread out by two and a half games three of the four teams that are in the play-in right now quote-unquote in the play-in could miss the play-in if Utah, OKC, and Portland somehow pull a couple more wins out of their butts, you know? Yeah, that's so, true. Right now, the Lakers are up to ninth, and last week they were 11th when we recorded, and I told them they were done, so they must be listening. <laughs> Took the advice to heart or put it on the bulletin board. You know how it goes. But if AD keeps playing as well as he is and LeBron comes back at all for the play-in maybe, Mm-hmm. They would, I think they would beat the Pelicans at this point. And then if they played well against the Timberwolves or Mavericks, it's not out of the question or anything. I think they could have a good game and make it into the playoffs, but be a harder yeah. road. I think I said last week that the Lakers would make the play in and Pelicans, depending on where Zion sits, um, would could potentially miss the play in tournament. Um, and I think the last update that we saw in Zion was a few days ago. Basically it was just, he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, but chances that he returns at that two week mark are very, very slim. So it's very hard for me to believe that new Orleans makes the play in tournament, which leads me to believe that maybe you see a, a Utah or an OKC. I don't know that it'll be Portland, even though, I mean, that's mostly just the gut feeling. They have the same record as OKC, but I think I feel like it's maybe like an OKC fills in the 10 spot. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how that comes, how that comes to be or comes full circle as we get back. Um, one other Western conference team I wanted to ask you about because you're more intimately involved with the team is your Phoenix Suns. Obviously, 
Devin Booker has been on an absolute tear these last four or five games that they've played. But we also saw Kevin Durant in pregame warmups two games ago, one game ago, two games ago, basically roll his ankle going up for like a quick jump shot. Um, And it basically came out right that he sprained his ankle and he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks as well. It's two weeks. It's not the end of the world. I think my minimal intuition that I have is more of that. It's probably precautionary. He may have actually sprained his ankle, um, but I feel like it's maybe a little bit more precautionary because Phoenix isn't falling to the play-in tournament, right? Um, And I think it's unlikely that they fall even to the five seed without Kevin Durant, given how well the rest of the team is playing right now. So maybe they Mm -hmm. say, okay, well, we're going to sit KD because we don't want to risk him getting a more serious injury with the playoffs coming up and everything, right? I think if they were making a push for a p- different position, maybe they hope he's going to play through it at least for a couple games, but they're pretty well positioned right now. They could get even higher, especially with the the issues that Memphis is having right now. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on what's going on in Phoenix, where you think they end up, you know, what's going on with KD, Devin Booker, and uh, any thoughts you have on that. I think there's a lot going on in Phoenix. I think the main thing people aren't really considering at this point is like everyone's just saying they should push him to keep playing right now and just get him back. But he still has like three years left on his contract, three or four years. And Phoenix isn't worried as much about the next three weeks and getting ready for this playoff as much as they are just making sure his knee is fine for the next couple of years. So it's not just lagging or nagging around as much as it is now, I guess. But I think they're yeah. still in a good spot, Devin Booker, and everybody is kind of still in the honeymoon phase of the trade, it seems like, with Kevin. Every time he's on the bench or on the court, it seems like everybody's just smiling and still can't believe their eyes that he's on the court with them. And it's obviously everyone's just shooting better and everyone's just playing well and the defense has been crazy even when he's not on the court it's just like his energy just brought new energy to the practice facility and everything and everyone's just working harder trying to trying to bring one home but yeah as far as the seating wise they're only two and a half games back of yeah two and a half games back of memphis at the moment but in sacramento and sacramento true if they get up to the three and or the two i guess potentially the matchups are just are just crazy it's like if they stayed where they are right now and everybody stayed they'd play the clippers in the first round which probably they wouldn't love just because of how defensive they are but the warriors might be a good matchup for them if they can get to the six seed they're not seeming to be who they used to be Mm -hmm. and it seems like just with kd and book and everybody it might just be a good matchup for them a little more beef with clay going on forgot about that beef earlier in the year i would really love to see um as i'm sure most people would somehow it work out to be a phoenix and dallas playoff series it's not it's not completely out of the realm of possibility i mean the the mavericks are only literally half a game back of la in the five seed so you know flip the records one game and they're the Dallas is the five and Phoenix and Dallas are playing in the first round. So 
could be extremely, extremely interesting depending on how that plays itself out and where these teams end up. But that would be an extremely interesting series. But in terms of the impact that Kevin Durant has, I think that something that a lot of people overlook in terms of talking about the impact and Kevin Durant missing games, which, you know, the fact is he's missed probably close to as many games as he's played in the last three years due to injury and stuff. Mm-hmm. But a guy like that has a significant impact also, like you said, in the practice facility, in the locker room, as a leader, as a mentor. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Durant, you know, he's still at practice and is working with Devin Booker on things to to improve or working with some of the younger guys on things to improve. And everybody, you know, you bring someone like that onto the team and everybody not in like a crazy cult like warship type way but like (laughs) everybody wants to impress kd right like a shout out from kd is uh incredible and so everybody wants to get a shout out from him impress him and i think it it kind of forces everybody to like up their level of play a little bit so even if he doesn't come back for the next two weeks even if he doesn't come back until the playoffs i think one the suns are pretty well positioned and two kd still carries a significant amount of weight in the locker room on the bench in the practice facility and you know just around the team in general mm-hmm. yeah cp and book and katie have played enough basketball together in their time to not need as much gelling together as some other combination of stars might want to switch to some eastern conference teams sure let's do it We don't have to talk about them in a significant amount of detail, but last week we spent some time, maybe I spent some time talking about the Knicks. I think at the time they were on an eight or nine game win streak, Uh, just a really impressive run. I think it's still possible they jump the Cavs for the four seed. They're currently sitting in fifth, but only a game ahead of Brooklyn. I just want to shout out the Knicks uh, in in a more funny way. The Knicks are on a nine game win streak and they go to play uh, the Hornets at home in MSG, one of the worst teams in the NBA this year, still technically not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs somehow, but one of the worst teams in the NBA, definitely one of the contenders in the Wemby sweepstakes and the Charlotte Hornets somehow are the team that end the New York Knicks crazy win streak. And so maybe it's less of a shout out to New York and more of a shout out to Charlotte. Obviously, (laughs) uh, depending on your position in the Charlotte Hornets fan base, you're either happy or sad when they keep winning games, but the the Hornets are seven and three in their last 10. They're on a two game win streak right now. Um, Playing some pretty good basketball without LaMelo. I also saw they have the best defensive rating or the second it's fluctuated between the one and two spot, but the first or second best defensive rating in the NBA since the all-star break, which has only been a month, but that's pretty incredible for where this team was at. Yeah, that's quite the stat. Mark Williams is having a huge impact on the inside that we've been waiting only 70, 60 games to happen, and he's finally really finding himself. So if he could just keep it up, stay healthy for the rest of the year, get some more minutes, and that would be huge for next year. Definitely. Yeah, it's pretty funny because we spent the entire first half of the season saying Mark Williams should be getting minutes. Mark Williams should be getting minutes. We should be playing him more. Mason Plumley isn't getting it done. So they trade Mason Plumley over to the Clippers. Mark Williams gets the minutes and 
he's playing really well, definitely having an impact. He's not putting up like 20 and 20 a night or anything like that, but he's, his impact is definitely felt in the paint. Um, but it's funny because now it seems like Mason Plumley is also playing the best basketball basketball of his career over in Los Angeles. Um, so it seems like a win, win, win situation, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, uh, about the Eastern conference here? You think Boston jumps Milwaukee or do you think Boston is pretty solid in the two spot? I don't know. I think they're pretty solid in the two spot right now. I think they could catch them potentially, but it's like, it's a lot to ask. Still the same position as last week, I guess, of them trying to catch Milwaukee. is just seems like overwhelming at this point. They keep losing games. They lost in overtime to Cleveland and New York, and they lost to the Cavs, and they lost to the Knicks again. Yeah, they just They just keep losing close games, and then Tatum sits out here and there, and then Horford and Rob Williams have both been out minutes, and seems like they just need to get it all cleaned up before the postseason. Maybe they're just trying to get healthy and not worrying as much about every single one and loss at this point, but it's kind of just tricky situation trying not to fall. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was thinking about Celtics and Bucks and just kind of like their duality of the top two seeds right now. And um, it's weird because in my mind, I'm like Milwaukee, at what point in the season do you also like, okay, we really need to rest our people and make sure everyone's good to go in the playoffs because I'm on, you know, the score app looking ahead at, um, you know, the injury reports for different games as we're getting a little bit deeper into the season and everything. And it seems like every single game at this point, Giannis and Drew Holiday are game time decisions for whatever injuries they're, they're dealing with, whatever soreness they're dealing with. And most of the time they are playing. So it's not like they're, they're missing time, but if, they're in a position every single night where you have to list them as like questionable. And then ultimately you elevate them to playing. So like at what point do you just let them sit for a couple of games if they're injured enough that you have to have them on the list. But then yeah. I guess the counterpoint to that is they are, they're doing whatever they, they need to do. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like Milwaukee is really gunning for the one spot and, it's something that they've had their eye on, especially after the first half of the season where everybody, I mean, everybody was Boston is the best team in the NBA. Boston's going to run away with the one seed. And then, you know, obviously that's not necessarily the case now. I think it'll probably be close. It'll come down to the last handful of games. Another thing to consider would be the 76ers still winning a lot of games and moving up and trying to make a run at the two seed too. They have a lot of good matchups coming up they still play boston and milwaukee a couple times i think they could keep pushing i mean Embiid has been playing good harden has been playing really good he's had like 10 assists 15 assists 20 assists the last couple games yep it's crazy they could be a real competitor for the top seeds near the end of the season four and a half games is a lot to make up but like two games to the two seed isn't bad right yeah, James Harden has jumped to leading the NBA in assists per game right now. He's going crazy. 10.8. That's something definitely not to to count Philadelphia out at all. I feel like they're the quietest three seed in the history of the NBA right now. So like everybody's talking about Milwaukee and Boston and the duel for the one seed. And then you kind of talk about like, well, Cleveland and New York are there as well. And then you go to the Western Conference and look at all these teams, you know, 
battling for playoff positioning. And I feel like people are just kind of overlooking Philadelphia right now. So definitely Mm -hmm. agreed. They're going to try and make a run at the two seed. I agree. Four and a half games is, is really a lot to, to overcome with only 15 games left, but who knows? I mean, Milwaukee could eventually cool off here. I think they've won like what 19 of 22 or something like that, but they could even out and win eight or nine of the last 16 and maybe Philadelphia goes on a major bender and wins and somehow they end up in the one spot or really close to a two spot or or what here. I think that there's a lot more to play for um, in terms of getting to a one or a two spot versus the three seed, because I think that if I'm Milwaukee, Boston, or Philadelphia, I'd much rather play any of the four teams that are in the play in tournament right now in terms of where they're standing in the standings, right. Versus playing against Brooklyn. I think, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I would rather play any of them instead of Brooklyn. Brooklyn's been figuring it out now that yep, everyone's been playing more minutes together and I wouldn't want to go near them right now. That would be a scary sight for the first round. They should beat them, but I guess you never really know. Right, definitely. Um, the only team that I had a little bit of pause about was Miami, obviously, because they have the roster to you know, compete with the, the better teams, but they're just not doing it. So yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lot to play for to at least get to the two seed. And if I'm Boston, I'm definitely really, really trying hard to hang on to that because I would much rather face Miami or Atlanta. I don't think Toronto or Washington are getting up to the seven or eight spot, even though things are very close, but I would much rather play Miami or Atlanta than play Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah, definitely. It seems like the 76ers are just always getting caught in the MVP MVP debate rather than the actual Mm -hmm. playoff questions. Yeah, that's a really good point for sure. It seems to me that, again, it's weird podcasting and trying to talk about this because at this point in the season, this is the major topic of conversation across the NBA. Where are teams going to end up? we can try to forecast it as, as much as we want to, or as well as we want to. Right. But with how tight things are in both conferences, who knows where things are going to end up. We have a general idea. We can make guesses based on how teams are playing, but we really have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was about to say to you, well, it looks to me like Cleveland and and the Knicks are going to be the four and the five seed, depending on how, you know, one of them could be the four and one of them could be the five, but I think those two are the four and five heading into the playoffs. So let's talk about that potential playoff series. But then I'm like, well, New York on paper is a lot better than Brooklyn, New York, in terms of attention they're getting, I would say like on social media and just by like the general big J media, um, feels like they're getting a lot of attention, a lot more attention than Brooklyn is. But then again, you look at the standings and Brooklyn is only one game behind New York. Mm-hmm. It's like if New York happens to catch a few L's for better or for worse, you know, they could slip to the sixth seed and end up playing Philadelphia. So I I don't even know if it's worth having that conversation right now because we still do have 15 games left. Obviously, in two or three weeks when there's only a handful of games left, it's a little bit easier to, to figure out where teams are going to end up. But right now it still feels like there's just a little bit too much time left for things to really be shaken up in the NBA. That's true. It seems like it all come down to the wire at all angles. And I think the playoff series will be relatively even compared to the last couple of years. There will be 
probably a few a sweep or two in the first round, but generally I think a lot of them will go to six or seven games, maybe even. Agree. A lot of good series in the first round, potential upsets. Let's take the seating as it is right now. I don't think there's any sweeps in the Western Conference. And I think maybe the Bucs sweep the Hawks, but I could also see the Hawks stealing one game from the Bucs. We could very well come out of this with no sweeps in the first round of the playoffs, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Given how like top heavy both conferences have been over the last couple of years. Depending on what teams come out of the West and the very bottom, if it is Minnesota and Dallas, I think each of them could win a game at least. But if the Lakers or Pelicans come out and have to play the Nuggets and or Kings, I think they would probably get swept pretty good. Right. Agree. And that's still why it's so hard to you know have that conversation. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I think I've said this probably 10 times this episode, probably a hundred times last episode, and we'll probably say it a hundred times next episode, but <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams shake out. I think kind of the inverse to what I asked earlier about, you know, if you're a higher seed, how much do you think about what lower seed you're going to potentially end up playing in the playoffs? But kind of the inverse to that is at what point, if you're a, if you are a lock for a top six team in a conference regardless of where you are one through six at what point or is there any point where you rest your starters the to to, to contrast that question I think of obviously the NFL where you get to week 18 and most teams that are in the playoffs either play their starters one drive and then pull them or they just don't play their starters at all because they don't want to risk the injury and they want to give their guys the extra week of rest especially if they're going into the wild card round literally the next weekend right Mm -hmm. so is there is there a point in the nba season where you do anything like that or if you're an nba franchise do you just play it through and see what happens i think there could come to a point where you at least give them more of a not necessarily minutes restriction but you only play Giannis 25 minutes a game 20 minutes a game and if you lose it it doesn't really matter at that point i guess if the Bucks or Celtics or Sixers or anybody go to like one of the lower tier teams or any tier team, I guess in the last five games, you probably really shouldn't play your star players 40 minutes a game. You or the, um, the Clippers probably shouldn't play Kawhi 45 minutes a game <laughs> for the last three games. Right. I wouldn't recommend that, but I don't think you're fully sitting them out for like the last five games. Maybe for the last game, you completely set them out or something, but I don't think they worry about it as much generally. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, given how hard it is to have this conversation about playoff seating with still 15, 16, 17 games left for some teams, I think let's switch tracks here and let's talk a little bit about the nba mvp award before we let the listeners go here we have about 10 minutes left so obviously the front runner if you want to call him that is Jokic for his third straight mvp i have the basketball reference mvp tracker up in front of me and basketball reference is giving Jokic a 64 and a half percent chance of winning that is followed by Embiid, Giannis, james harden Luca, Jason Tatum, Sabonis, Dame, SGA, and Jimmy Butler. I'm curious on your thoughts on Jokic, whether you think that anyone's going to challenge him for the MVP at this point, or do you think it's kind of a lock? 
And do you think anyone is snubbed in terms of that top 10 list? I think there's still room in the season to challenge them if there's 15 to 20 games left for these teams. And it's not out of the question that Embiid or Giannis go on like a 35-point game, 35 points per game streak to close out the season or something crazy, just trying to play hard and not necessarily just for the MVP discussion, but not not for it. I mean, they're obviously aware of it, but I think if things continue how they're going and it all stays relatively similar, I think Jokic has a good rap on it at this point. I think it would be hard for him to not win over a majority of the voters right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. I feel like you heard a lot at the beginning of the season about I don't remember what the term actually is, but like the voters, they don't want to give it to someone three times in a row. It's basically like boring to give it to the same person three times in a row. Doesn't mm-hmm. really happen, obviously, ever. It has, but it's not a frequent occurrence. Um, and obviously, you can debate who you think should win the MVP award. But at this point, I agree. If things kind of carry the way they have been, probably Jokic will get it. I don't know that the voters would go out of their way to make sure he doesn't get it solely because you know he's already won it twice let's give it to somebody else but if Joel Embiid we talked a little bit ago about the Sixers and how they're probably going to try and make a pretty heavy run at the two seed and maybe even the one seed if they can get to that point right if Joel Embiid in doing that or in that pursuit puts up 35 a game say 35 and 13 you know and six over the last 15 games and gets the Sixers up to the one seed I don't think you have to give it to Embiid but you have to definitely give him a lot more consideration than you're giving him right now Mm -hmm. yeah I think that would even it out a little bit if he could manage to put something together like that that would make it a lot more interesting going into awards night than just it would be now for me mvp is not only about individual statistics it's also about or even you know advanced statistics whatever you're looking at but it's also about like your team being able to turn to you and you know count on you to get the win or at least pull the rest of your team to that win um and like last season denver was what the sixth seed in the in the western conference Mm -hmm. um And so maybe a little bit more questionable last year to give it to him, especially with how close the stats were with Embiid's last year. But this year, averaging a triple-double a game and far and away the first seed in the Western Conference, I mean, it's definitely a lot harder to push back on his candidacy at this point, I think. But I agree that if, you know, if Joel Embiid or Giannis or James Harden or maybe even Luca, if he comes back from injury and goes on some crazy bender and puts up mega numbers over the last 15 games, it's certainly possible somebody else could challenge him. But, but at this point, Jokic is probably locked up at least a really significant consideration for MVP. There's nothing he could do. It, let me put it this way. There's nothing he could do to take himself out of consideration, basically. It seems like whenever the discussion comes up people just argue that he hasn't won more playoff series but in reality the award's not a playoff award it's exactly. just a regular season award and if you exactly. were to look at the playoffs last year in the playoffs he averaged 
34, 13, and 6. And the year before that, he averaged 30, 11, and 6. So it's right. not like he's performing badly. It's just just the way the playoffs go sometimes. Yep. Exactly. At the bo- at bottom line, end of the day, is it's a regular season award. So what happens in the playoffs really doesn't matter. Anything else on the MVP discussion before we wrap it up? I don't think so. That's pretty much pretty much good for me on that. I'm just happy to see Sabonis in the top 10 on there. He's Definitely. getting some real shine. Yeah, very well deserved. And just really quickly, how do you not give Mike Brown coach of the year this year? I know I've seen a lot of I've heard a lot of people talking about the coach of the year recently. It seems like more than previous years. And I think Mike Brown is the odds on favorite at this point, but it's just in the last week or two that he's jumped Joe Missoula and um, I can't think of his name, but pretty much Joe Missoula is the other guy that people talk about because it's his right. first year. But I mean, he, he took over the team that went to the NBA finals last year and he's been a part of the organization for seven years it's or whatever. It's pretty much just continuation and at his point right now. For sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that just about does it for episode 20 here. So thank you all for tuning in to episode 20 of the Queen City Control Room podcast. We are extremely grateful to be at 20 episodes with no plan of stopping anytime soon. So thank you for the continued support and the interaction with the accounts on social media. We really like talking to the, the listeners about basketball or football, baseball, literally anything really. So Just want to say thank you for 20 episodes and here's to the next 20. You can find us on social media, AKA Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Queen City CTRLRM. You can also email Josh and I I here at the show at queencitycontrolroom at gmail.com. We're always looking for ways we can make the show better, ways we can improve the show, and ways we can try to give the listeners a little bit more of what exactly you're looking for when you tune into a basketball podcast. So definitely hit us up on our socials. Definitely reach out to us by email. Let us know what you think. You can also find us on Apple podcasts and Spotify by liking, following, subscribing, rating, and reviewing and leaving us your comments there as well. Thanks you all for tuning in to episode 20 and we'll look forward to talking to you on episode 21.